Welcome to another edition of Next in Q. I'm your host, Rob Dwyer, and I am so honored today to be joined by Donna Drayman. And Donna currently is a site manager for user support at TikTok. How are you, Donna? Welcome. Great. I am great. And just in the interest of full disclosure, um, I have I am no longer at TikTok. Um, I was there. That was my um, last gig. Now I consult companies on all things call center related, CS related, leadership development, et cetera. So um, just want to stay current and and jump to jump ahead to the future a little bit or the the current and let you know what I'm what I'm currently up to. And maybe we'll even talk about how I'm writing children's books now. Who knows? We are definitely going <laughs> to talk about that. So um, thanks for thanks for the update. Um, yeah. I always like to kind of work my way from from early beginnings. And one of the things that uh, fascinated me and I mentioned this uh, the very first time that we chatted yeah. was uh, you're currently in Nashville. You've been in Nashville for a couple of decades now. <laughs> But that's not where you're from. So tell me how you ended up in Nashville because you are native to New York, correct? That is correct. Guilty as charged. I am originally <laughs> from um, Westchester County, New York, which is a county just above the city, born and raised, um, you know, left there for college. I went to college in Towson, um, which is in Maryland. And I think it might be my Sagittarius spirit. I don't know, but wanted to just move around and see more of the country. So after college, I moved out to San Francisco and stayed out there for a while. I was lucky enough to live in Hawaii for three years. Um, And then the needs of the army, and uh, I was a military spouse at the time, the needs of the army and a little bit of my career took us to Tennessee. Um, took us to the Nashville area. And I um, have two sons. They're grown men now. But at the time, Nashville was a great place to work and live. And I just stayed here. And 25 years later, I'm looking around like I'm still here. Um, So it's something (laughs) that kind of happened. But um, Nashville has changed along the way. And I love everything about that. I've changed along the way. And uh, I'm a hockey fan. Go Preds. Tighten up, go Titans. I mean, I'm, I'm all in with Nashville here, Rob. Like, I'm all in. Okay, well, if my uh, Kansas City Chiefs reach uh, a meeting with your Nashville Titans, I'm just going to say this right now. Uh, we're going to win that. <laughs> and um, there's there's a third Super Bowl, I think, in in our future. So I'm just, I'm just putting that out there now. Uh-oh. Are we going to have a wager on LinkedIn about, like, 
this game. I don't know. Anyway, we'll see. We, we might. It's, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're not quite there. By the time people listen to this, you will have heard this, or, or the game will probably have happened. But um, we're we're probably getting a little bit of ahead of ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you at Towson, right? Mm-hmm. You got your degree in mass communications. Like, mm-hmm. well, I mean, uh, you your early career was very different than what you're doing today, but I'm wondering what what was it that you had planned? I mean, what, what were you thinking about doing when you were in college and, and pursuing that? Yeah, great question. Anytime I meet someone who's actually working in what they majored in in college, it's like they're a hero of mine. I'm like, are you kidding me? How did you do that? That's impossible. Um, sure, I was mass comm because I was going to be a sportscaster, obviously, um, and right. probably like make independent films on the side. Um, so went to Towson for mass comm to learn all of those bits and pieces. Um, the starving artist thing is for real. It wasn't something I was good at, so I needed to get a proper job. Um, and... <laughs> started in CS. I mean, that's where we all start, right? We all start helping customers respond. uh, This was, you know, phone by the time at that time, right? Talking to customers, helping, learning about the business, um, understanding business through our customer service work and, you know, kind of the rest is history, but that sort of took me um, on my customer service and customer experience path. But something that's really interesting is that while I was at Postmates, we may talk about that later, sorry for the spoiler alert, but while I was at Postmates, I had responsibility for training and learning experience. And I was developing curriculum, facilitating classes and public speaking sort of. Right. And all along my career in leadership, I've had to do public speaking. And so sometimes when I think back, I'm like, maybe that mass comm thing is coming out after all, but it's just presenting itself in a completely different way than I expected. No, I absolutely agree. I think communication is right. It's foundational to a lot of things that we do. But certainly if you end up in, in CX, if you end up in contact centers, it's absolutely foundational, just being able to talk to people and to yeah. understand word choice and all of those kinds of things. So um, that's really fascinating. So where did you first hop on the phones? What was the first company that you worked for where you hopped on the phones? The first company where I hopped on the phones was called International Marine Fuels of San Francisco. Fuel traders back in the late 80s, if you talk about like a men's world, um, that was it. I remember lunches of me and the other lady in the office with our customers where, I mean, people were smoking cigars and drinking wine. And here I'm in my young 20s being like, is this what business is? Wow. Who, you know, who knew? But that was my first foray onto the phones. And it was super interesting because we were an international business. So I was talking to people all over the world. And so talk about honing in your communication skills and understanding how to listen and interpret and ask the right questions. That was really a masterclass. 
um, in that because I was dealing in fuel trading um, internationally with fuel companies. I mean, as I'm saying it out loud, it sounds made up, but it actually was happening. Um, so that was that was how it it started. Wow, that's really interesting. I so I, I had seen that you were in that, but I didn't necessarily think uh, I didn't necessarily make the connection. Right? Yeah, you're you're on the phone negotiating these contracts. I think sometimes um, we forget that there was a time when a lot of these things didn't happen over email. <laughs> oh, there was no email. I mean, I got really good at faxing. I even was doing like telegram messages sometimes. I mean, this was a long, well, it was a long time ago. <laughs> I hate saying <laughs> that, but it was. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. So you moved then into eventually um, a, a series of roles where you were leading uh, customer care type mm -hmm. of organizations. Mm -hmm. um, tell me about some of those early experiences and um, kind of some of the things that you were learning along the way. Yeah, definitely. Um, I worked for a company called Nextlink here in Nashville. They changed their name. They're now called XO Communications. I believe that they are still going, but I started there as a customer care rep. And that organization had care reps assigned to sales reps. So I was assigned to one of the sales reps and I was his key point of support for all of his customers. Um, I really liked that I got to get out and meet the customer. So again, building on those communication skills, building on that um, rapport and building long-term relationships for my salesperson. And through that and learning the business, and I honestly, if I could humble brag, just kind of standing out among my peers, I got other opportunities. So I got the opportunity to work a little bit on a retention program that we didn't have. So I learned a little bit about why customers leave, how you can make them offers and do things to get them to stay. And I was responsible for doing some of that work. And then that was successful. And so they said, let's have a team that's the save team. So I was able to develop a save team, um, kind of being the hero, swoop in, save the customer, keep the revenue. I guess I'm a little bit of an adrenaline junkie too. So <laughs> I liked the challenge. Um, so learned that piece of the business. Then I got the opportunity from that to start a cross-sell and an upsell part of customer care. So I was seeing customer care not only just be handling incoming requests, but also save money and make money for a company. And I was like, this is really fascinating. Who knew? And so I had a small team who would call customers, get them to renew their contract before we had to save them. Okay, this was a long time ago, so everybody buckle up. Sell them long distance if they didn't have long distance. Sell them a calling card if they didn't have a calling card. Um, but do those types of things that were bringing in money for a business. Um, and that kept me in, in care because it kept it interesting and it kept me learning um, and was just really, really fascinating. So that's sort of how it started and how it continued 
to develop as I learned new things that a care organization can bring to the business. I was having a conversation just um, this this past weekend with someone who has been in a wide variety of industries and, and was talking about how I thought that all of that experience was really important into like broadening everything and how they approached everything. And um, you kind of have that same thing going mm. on because you also worked at Asurian. Mm-hmm. Um, you worked at um, a Change Healthcare. Mm-hmm. Uh, you worked at Postmates. We've already mentioned TikTok. Like these are all really unique industries, even though you're within the care organization. Can you tell me about kind of the things that you see that are like common across all of these and maybe some of the things that like when you went into a new organization, you were like, well, okay, that's totally different. I got to learn about this now. Yeah, sure. Um, So some things that have been similar for me in all of these industries is that the directive to deliver an outstanding customer experience comes from the top down. Like everybody buys into it. It is what it is. You're not going to dispute it or get around it. Um, And those are environments that I thrive in. Um, If I landed someplace where I would have to sell in the value of the customer experience, that would not be the right fit for me. Um, And we shouldn't have to do that anymore. I mean, there's a thousand articles in YouTube's and and podcasts. Like it's pretty clear now. Right. Um, so that was common in each of those places. And that allowed me to thrive, as I said, but also use my creativity to come up with what are some customer impacting programs. Um, I started the net promoter score program while I was at Assurian and I'm certified in, in that methodology. I do drink the Kool-Aid. I do also (laughs) believe in, um, customer effort score and level of effort that the customer has to put in place. So I kind of manage, you know, both of those, uh, you know, angel and devil, I don't know, however you want to say it, but I believe in both (laughs) of those methodologies. Um, but you know, got to do some really creative things when it came to replicating best practices that our promoters were telling us about, um, or improving where our detractors thought we were falling short. And also, you know, I had that program there for about three years, um, but also tapping into those passives because sometimes we forget about the passives and just taking a couple of those seven and eights and turning them into a nine was always a, a big win that, that we would celebrate. So those were the things that were common. Top-down belief in an outstanding customer experience, um, an environment where I could thrive and, and be creative and do. Um, one of the things that I learned no harm, no foul, but change healthcare was B2B. And I am better in a B2C environment. I don't, I don't know why that is. I suspect it's because it could be more agile. I suspect because it's more transactional than relational. I'm not really sure. Um, but I did learn that a business to business environment isn't the best fit for me. Um, other than that, 
here in Nashville, healthcare is very important. So having healthcare experience was important to me and something that I wanted to do. Um, and, and that I did. It seems like there's a level of self-awareness that comes with um, experiencing all these different things. And for you, right, recognizing, no, I really want to be in a B to C type of organization uh, can help continue to guide you along your journey. Well, I think whenever you leave somewhere, you have to take a minute and be like, okay, so I went on to another opportunity. Why, why was that? What do I expect that opportunity to be? What was it like last time? And all of these um, roles that I had were, were all positive. Um, but when I think back, what comes to mind is that I just don't think for me, um, the B2B environment works best for me. Yeah, sure. So I want to talk a little bit about Postmates. Mm -hmm. What I found um, really intriguing and I wanted to ask you about, I mean, obviously Postmates has been around for a while, but you were there at the, at the very beginning of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering what kind of growth you saw with that and kind of what you saw as far as stressors on the organization or was that difficult for you to manage like what was that experience like because i think we lots of us have been involved in companies that experience maybe some rapid growth but i have to imagine that um, that was one of those businesses that just kind of went through the stratosphere yeah. almost overnight yeah you're you're right and you know what we did the best that we could because it did overnight, as soon as, um, you know, drop off at the door or drop off at the end of the driveway or whatever was acceptable. And it wasn't about, you know, bring it right to me. Um, we went through the roof and um, in a couple of areas. So Postmates, like other delivery services, serve three different types of customers, right? The courier who brings the food, the customers who order it, and then the merchants who prepare it. And so not only did we have more customers wanting door delivery from us, right? Because they couldn't leave their houses, so they wanted the food brought to them. But we also had merchants who had to shut their restaurants down who for whatever reason, were hesitant to do a delivery service previously, but now a delivery service was the only way they were going to stay in business or try to stay in business. So we onboarded tons and tons of merchants who, you know, before did not want to get on the platform. And for the couriers, people were losing their jobs. And so we had more and more folks wanting to be a Postmate to deliver to have some type of income. So through all three of our customer types, we were just inundated um, yeah. with requests um, in a good way. And we did the best that we could <laughs> um, and broke records every day. We were breaking, you know, more records for onboarding or deliveries or whatever it was. And it was a pretty exciting time um, just being involved in that type of rush. Um, and it was also a good time because I was part of a company that was helping people, like really mm -hmm. helping. 
helping you get a job, helping you maybe stay in business, helping you get food or something from Walgreens because we're locked down and we can't go out. And so um, even though it was hectic and chaotic, for me, it was really positive. That's great. So you moved on from Postmates Mm -hmm. and then you went to uh, like it or love it. Uh, an innovative new social media platform. It's not that new, but I feel like there are a lot of people who are still just trying to figure things out. Yeah. You went to TikTok. I did. Um, so tell me about that experience, maybe why you why you chose that. And again, right, one of these new adventures, it seems like a totally different, it's a technology <laughs> company, but it's a different kind of technology. Totally new. Yeah. So I took on the the challenge of TikTok to flex a couple of different muscles. Um, While at Postmates, I had ownership of the quality assurance team, the training team, social media support, and our executive escalations. A pretty robust program of executive escalations that I started at Assurian. If we want to come back and talk about that, I'd love to share more about craziness. Um, so I had always led the support teams that support core operations. Um, and that was a great niche, learned it a lot and loved it. But at TikTok, it was going to be flexing a little bit more in core operations and scaling that business and putting some foundations in place so that the support team um, could do what they needed to do to serve our customers. Um, so that involved a lot of hiring. Um, that involved a lot of building processes that didn't exist. And again, putting those foundations in place. So foundations like quality assurance, training, um, getting the right CRM to handle the requests that were coming in so we could prioritize and set metrics and, you know, all of that business. And while I was only there for eight months, it really felt it felt like a a couple of years because we went from four team leads to 13 team leads. We went from 60 associates to 160 associates. Uh, We were moving at a lightning fast pace. Um, And I believe I set them up for, you know, long-term success, still in contact with, you know, a bunch of my directs and they're, they're doing a great job there. But um, that, was a little bit different for me um, from what I was used to in supporting core operations. So I'm, I'm glad I got the chance to have that experience and do that type of work. It just adds to what I can bring to an organization. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that type of um, environment can be really exciting when you're al- almost building things from scratch. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I know, I know what I want it to look like. Uh, we just have to get there and that's certainly a really short timeline to be to be working on things like that short timeline um and we were also very product focused right this product was taking over the world um (laughs) so you know still even on the care side still very in tune to what our customers were saying about the product what was working what wasn't how many you know subscribers we were getting like I don't know. It was just like this volcano that was, you know, erupting and we were trying to control it as best as we could. 
Yeah, well, you know, a bunch of people were all of a sudden at home doing all kinds of fun new things. And totally. We're throwing it on TikTok. Totally. I know. And believe me, I can look at talking dog videos for longer than you would imagine I could. So I'm like, <laughs> bring it on TikTok. I love it. I don't do the dances, but like the talking dogs, bring it on. I love it. I think this is a really good segue to something else that I wanted okay. to talk about. Sure. Let's talk about Lady. <laughs> Let's talk about Lady, who's on her bed taking a nap right now. <laughs> tell me, tell me about uh, this this recent project that you undertook uh, about Lady. Sure. Yeah. So Lady is my 13 year old rescue dog. She is half lab, half Pyrenees. She's about 56 pounds. And I was just walking her around the neighborhood one day. And again, this creativity, maybe it goes back to mass comet Towson. Who knows? I don't know. But I started to think about a children's book that could feature Lady. Um, and I came up with Things Lady Likes. And so my first edition is just called Things Lady Likes. And um, that sounds simple, but it's intentional because the book brings in diverse ideas, um, inclusion, equity, et cetera, very subtly through the eyes of Lady. So I'll give you two examples. First example is when Lady introduces herself, she explains that she's a rescue because we got her from Nashville Humane Association. And so you can say that she's adopted. And so we ask the young reader, maybe you're adopted or know someone who's adopted. So very subtly we're working that in. And each page tells something that lady likes and then prompts the young reader with a question. So the other example is lady likes to go to the dog park and she plays with all kinds of dogs, even dogs that don't look like her. So who do you play with? That doesn't look like you. Do you know anybody that looks different than you? And so again, that could be someone has red hair and you have brown hair. Someone has brown skin and you have white skin. It could be whatever you make it, but we're introducing these ideas all through the eyes of lady. I just absolutely love this concept. Thanks. I love that you um, made this book. And I think I think being able to explore kind of that natural curiosity about mm -hmm. the world that we all know that dogs just have and kids <laughs> have, yeah. like it seems like just a, a wonderful, a wonderful match to, to put all that together. Thanks. And, you know, we started with one. I have a holiday edition that is out. And so the holiday edition, guess what? It has Diwali and Kwanzaa and Hanukkah and Friendsgiving and Thanksgiving and all kinds of things. It has Valentine's Day, so we're getting ready to do some Zoom classroom readings about how Lady likes Valentine's Day. Um, so again, bringing some diversity um, through holidays that Lady likes. Um, spoiler alert, I'm working on a third version um, about friends, friends in the community. So we'll show policemen and doctors and school bus drivers. And again, 
that look like everybody and may look different. And we'll just talk about who ladies' friends in the community um, are. So it just started one day and it's kind of morphed into this book series. And now I read at elementary schools. Like it's just this crazy side hustle that I'm so proud of and just love so much. So thank you for asking about Lady. Yeah, I I, I really think that, you know, I've had lots of guests on with lots of um, hobbies or little side passions, and uh, some of them are still working on on making them happen, and some of them are, you know, where you are, and and I think that when you can do something that uh, really positively impacts other people, I think that there's a reward to that. That you know, it's just <laughs> it's hard to replicate, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. So you recently, and and I think this kind of gets into kind of where you are. You recently won uh, an award in Nashville. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I did. Yeah, I think you're talking about the Ally Award. So mm -hmm. um, I was super honored to win that award. And last year in 2021, I was selected as the Ally. Um, the winner of the Ally Award through the Nashville LGBT Chamber of Commerce. And that is for my work with that chamber. Um, I had served on that board for several years. I was the first um, Ally Vice President um, to be on the Executive Committee. And um, just through things that I have done in that community, either through Postmates, through myself, um, again, with the chamber, the, the members voted me the, the ally of the year. And I was just thrilled. It's one of the awards I'm, I'm most proud of. Um, and just as another example of my passion for diversity and inclusion, authenticity, et cetera, in, in everything that you do. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, we we talked at the beginning of the podcast mm -hmm. that you've left TikTok and now mm -hmm. you're kind of doing your own thing. So let's talk a little bit more about that. Like what are the what are the things that you're really trying to accomplish today? Yeah, so I have a handful of clients today that I am consulting on a variety of customer service areas. So I have a client, they have a young customer service manager. And so I'm doing a little bit of leadership development, bringing that person along, being sure that, again, he has the foundations in place for success and that his associates will be successful. I have another client that just needed some customer service training. So learned about their business, developed some of the curriculum, delivered some of the training. I don't know, something about having a microphone and being in front of a room of people is always appealing to me. I just can't <laughs> take it. Oh my goodness. So was able to deliver some of that training and now they have that as part of their onboarding process. Speaking of onboarding process, I'm working with someone else to develop an onboarding process. And I'll just talk a little bit about that because I'm super passionate about the associate experience. So that means having a solid onboarding program, like 
as soon as you come in, you should be comfortable that you made the decision to work with that company. You should learn what you need to know. You should feel supported. And you should also have a career path or at least an idea of what else you can do at that organization once you get started. I have seen organizations fail at that. While at Postmates, we made really sure that not only did we have a robust onboarding experience, but we were preparing our associates for other things and not only just how to do that job. And so my training team developed how to write a resume, how to nail the interview, how to find a mentor, all specifically for the associate population. So they had these tools so they could move up and move on. At Postmates, we would say, come for a job, stay for a career. Um, but not all companies do that. So being able to help this organization with their onboarding process and career pathing really gets me energized. Um, so with all of the things that I have done in this long 100-year career, <laughs> um, I'm finding the bits that I like the most and consulting companies in, in those areas. And what has recently surfaced is associate development and leadership development. That strikes me, I, I think, right, we're we're at the beginning of 2022. And I know even in my own organization, right, our, our discussions uh, have been around how do we focus even more on employee engagement? But I think this is going to be a critical area for companies going forward because we're seeing a generation of people, baby boomers, right? My 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 mom just just went into retirement. Like she's getting her social security now, right? She's out of the workforce. But this is the largest generation in the history of this country that is approaching or entering retirement. Yeah. There are a lot of jobs. It's getting really competitive. I think yeah. everyone out there recognizes, right, that hiring is becoming more and more challenging. Yeah. And so to your point, that initial experience, it's it's like the first date almost. It is. It is. Yes. It so, is. And you and just have to that, do it. And then, yeah. And, and then how, how do we make you want to stay long term? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I have found, unless you have a team leader manager who really cares about you and your professional development, you're kind of on your own. And this is at the associate level, like you're kind of on your own. We also know that most associates, when they start in CS or started a company, it's their first real job. So they don't know what they don't know, right? And it's the obligation, in my opinion, of the organization to, yes, Train them how to do the job you hired them for, but train them for what's next. Train them for what else they can be. And if we don't do that, we're we're failing our associates, and we'll probably lose them. Yeah, I I agree. I think that that ongoing education and and kind of diversity of education mm -hmm. is really that is incredibly important for for organizations that want to keep their people long term and and the better a job that we can do at that and the better job that we can do at the 
the leadership development so that yeah. our leaders are engaging those people yeah. and building relationships with those people, yeah. the better off that we are. Yeah, we probably don't have enough time for me to go into coaching and how important the one-on-one coaching is coming from the coach to the person receiving the coaching. I mean, that could be a complete disaster if the team leader or manager doesn't know how to coach and get the best out of the employee or seek out what the employee wants to do next. And that could be a disaster if the employee goes into the session with the negative attitude or, you know, not embracing the information. So it's, um, I don't know, maybe 2022 is the year of the associate, right? When we just like really pay attention to bringing them up and doing right by them and, and helping them thrive. I don't know. You can steal that if you want to. I love that. I'm not going to steal it, but I'll credit you with that. Maybe that is, maybe that is what it is. 2022 year of the associate. I, I absolutely love that. And I, I firmly believe like all organizations who are, you know, employing and, you know, entry level, we call it entry level. It's a really hard job, Mm -hmm. really hard job. It is. But those those organizations that do a good job of those things that you're talking about, they're going to have to spend less time training people, less money training people. Yep. They're going to gain this this wealth of knowledge in their associates as be, as they become more tenured. Yep. And that translates to the bottom line for sure. One hundred percent. And, you know, I was lucky. We talked about XO communications when we were first started talking. And I talked about I got to start a save team and a cross sell and upsell team. And I was lucky because I had a leader that cared. And I had a leader that had some tough conversations with me sometimes, but challenged me to get better and challenged me to do things that were out of my comfort zone. I received that message um, and and did it and had those other opportunities come to me. And I always feel very fortunate um, having a leader that that cared. And if you don't, it's it's all up to you and it's kind of a crapshoot. Yeah. Yeah, it's really critical that we have good leadership. That's I, I feel lucky that I've had so many great leaders along my journey, and I, I credit all of that, right? My successes is really just a direct result of yeah. the leadership that I've worked with. So um, I understand exactly where you're coming from, and I'm, I am on board. <laughs> <laughs> so if people want to get in touch with you, let's say uh, some of our listeners are interested in yeah. talking to you more. Is LinkedIn the best place to get in touch with you? Or are there yeah. better ways to get in touch with you? LinkedIn is the best place. Okay. Well, we'll make sure and put a link to your LinkedIn profile okay. in the show notes so that people can get in touch with you. Perfect. And I just have to tell you, it's been so great having you join me here on Next in Q. I really appreciate you spending your time with me today. Yeah, thanks for asking. This has been great. We walked down memory lane. Who knew? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we will talk again soon. And uh, my chiefs are coming for you. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> thanks. <laughs>